Big Fluff. Everybody, I'm Joel Murphy, and I'm Andy McIntyre, and this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver lining. And uh, this week we are uh, ending our month of deep cut sequels, uh, going with perhaps the most expansive movie series in existence. I feel comfortable saying that, right? That sounds right. Um, but we're going to be talking about uh, the Godzilla franchise and our deep cut is the eighth movie uh, from the, the Showa run of Godzilla movie, sort of the first run. Uh, it is Son of Godzilla from 1967. And this is going to be our shortest episode ever because it's great. So uh, <laughs> we're done. It, it's, it, it's wonderful. <laughs> um, yeah. And terrible at the same time. Oh, it's, look, not a good movie, but it's a great movie. <laughs> That is that is the most accurate description of this. Yeah, it's um, it's tough because you know when it does, it's tough to find like how maligned or not this movie is, but uh, because there's just not a lot of critical reviews or anything like that, or like a Metacritic score that you can kind of compare it to. So looking at a lot of various online lists, this frequently came in towards the bottom, uh, and a lot of people. Uh, have strong feelings about Godzilla's son, known as Manila. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and it's uh, if you don't like Manila, you're not going to enjoy this movie at all. Oh, yeah. Your enjoyment of this movie definitely hinges on how you feel about the titular son of Godzilla. <laughs> uh, for sure. I think we did a good job, like, too. In the opening, you could hear... I mean, it's wacky. The music <laughs> wants you to know that anytime Manila's on the screen, it's wacky, my friends. Yeah, uh, there's really no other way to put it. Um, it is a, it is a barrel of laughs with this weird Godzilla son. I do think I I love that uh, when I was looking at stuff about this movie that they said that they basically gave Godzilla a dad bod for this movie. Like they, they bulked him up because they wanted him to look more, I guess, paternal. Uh, but they changed the design of the suit just for this uh, movie to give him a thicker body. Uh, and even used a different actor inside of the Kaiju suit, um, because he was bigger than, uh, the actor that had normally played Godzilla. And, um, yeah, and it was they just wanted to really drive home the point that Godzilla is a proud papa and Manila is there to to learn and grow and become a better better Godzilla, a better king of the monsters. Yeah, and so I guess you know, normally we start these things. I guess, I guess we it's pretty easy, I think, this setup. So there's 
There's a team of scientists. They're on an island. They're trying to control the weather to help the food supply. They're doing secret experiments. Uh, a reporter shows up to like get the scoop. And uh, it's on Monster Island where there is... Uh, there's a bunch of giant praying manti, and there's uh, a giant spider, and also, yeah, this is this is the home of Manila, and doesn't seem to be the home of Godzilla, but certainly Godzilla is like at least a nesting ground for Godzilla's yeah wife, the mother. Of, I don't know. Yeah, we don't really get into that. We don't get to know uh, about I, which is hey, look, that is one knock on this movie. If like me, you were really hoping to learn a lot about. Godzilla's courtship and and dating life, you know, it's not there. It's not that's not this movie. I don't. Now I haven't seen all of the Godzilla movies, but I don't think that exists. He's never really given a mate. If there was ex-wife of Godzilla, I would watch that for sure. <laughs> Jilted lover of Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Uh, yeah, this. Um, yeah, this movie, uh, when we talked about Godzilla 98, uh, which I think this movie is superior to in every way. I would never argue that for a second. Um, that one of the things we talked about was like the human stories being uh, sort of the key to any Godzilla movie, like really hitting. Uh, and I would say that the human stuff in this movie was didn't need to be there. Like I didn't give a crap about the reporter or the random girl that could speak Godzilla that was also on the island that yeah, they didn't which, explain it all. I feel, yeah, I was unclear, but I felt like it was implied that she'd made, she spoke perfect Japanese and didn't seem terribly feral. She was very well styled and, you know, see, seemed like she was putting on makeup somewhere and looked very refreshed at all times, but also seemed like maybe she had lived the entire life on her, on the island because she had a lot of questions about like what it was like to live in a city and it, and it, there was because her dad was a researcher and so I, it was implied that she maybe grew up on the island while he was researching it and then he died and she was left behind and she learned how to talk to the monsters it also that does complicate things too because she seemed to be living there very peacefully but then they the scientists seem to have this ticking clock to get off the island, but it wasn't clear why since she was fine there for decades. Yeah, it a uh, couple of plot holes in Son of Godzilla. Yeah, because uh, also the monsters didn't mess with her. Like, no. She had learned to coexist with them, but the the scientists not so much. Right. So anyways, there are these... Very large praying mantis, the Kamakuras, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they get made larger be up by a science experiment, a radioactive weather balloon gone awry. So they go from like 25 feet tall to 100 feet tall. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they dig up Manila's egg and it hatches and then they harass Manila and then Godzilla shows up. And then Godzilla has to teach Manila how to Godzilla. They play and catch a little bit, you know, they... Uh you know, there's it's, the cats in the cradle plays and they, you know, and then father and child. <laughs> yeah. Both of those hit. And then, and then Godzilla explains, I have to go back into the ocean. Actually, no, that's not true. I'm going to just spoil the last scene, uh, which is touching is, is the last thing we see is Godzilla holding Manila 
as they're both they say that they're hibernating but they just stand in the snow as like they're being frozen but i guess they go into some kind of stasis until they thaw yeah until they're needed again to save the world which i did read uh that manila has shown up in some some of the stuff since this movie yeah, there's another movie that actually uses a lot of footage from this movie. Um, it's sort of a cobbled together. I think, I think it's called "All Monsters Attack" or "Destroy All Monsters." Um, I think it is "Destroy All Monsters." That sounds right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's that is considered one of the worst Godzilla movies, um, but it's not available for streaming, so we picked this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love uh, "Destroy All Monsters" because it has everybody. Mm-hmm. Plus Manila. Yeah. And it's it's ridiculous. As all, you know, the the Godzilla kaiju movies are, um, there's a certain amount of, especially with, like, these 60s-era ones, there's a certain amount of camp that you have, sort of have to take. Oh, yeah. No, there's definitely, like... And it kind of... And I, I felt like this with the, the island woman character that, like, it kind of had that 60s, like... <laughs> you know, beach bingo kind of vibe to it. Like they kind of wanted, like I felt like that's what they were trying to get with her and the reporter was this kind of like beach vibe, you know, fun times. I I saw that one of the descriptions said that the, one of their hopes was that this was more of a date movie than previous uh, Godzilla films. Yeah. That they, they, they added sort of this love ish story uh, with the, the feral Island girl and the reporter and then also cute little Manila to add to the joy of it. Which, hey, look, I will say, you know, I own a pug and I I saw similarities between my <laughs> dumb, uncoordinated dog and... <laughs> <laughs> and dumb, uncoordinated Manila. Yeah. Um, Jolene so far has not figured out how to blow smoke rings like Manila did, but... Mm. Have you tried stomping on her tail? <laughs> I've not because that because that worked I also yeah when when Manila started like jumping rope with Godzilla's tail was also quality that was stuff. wonderful that was I also look I want to say if you haven't seen this movie I I hope the creators of the television show the sitcom dinosaurs that featured the not the mama baby wrote them a check because (laughs) that was my first thought seeing seeing him was i was like i this character design looked very familiar to me having watched that show yeah i that didn't hit to me until you just said it but man does manila look a lot like baby dinosaur from yeah uh the classic sitcom dinosaurs Mm -hmm. so so yeah i don't know that was also like maybe i just haven't watched a, a classic Godzilla. We've been busy watching. Uh, you know, we watched the '98 one for the show, and then uh, we also, uh, I in my own time, watched the new one on HBO Max as well. But I, I forgot, like, or or maybe it is in this movie. Godzilla himself has very like googly eyes. Like he has big round eyes. Yeah, this Godzilla, I think, is especially more googly-eyed than Godzilla typically looks. Yeah, he looks kind of uh, a bit like a like a baseball mascot. Yeah, there is some of that vibe to the way Godzilla is costumed in this movie. Yeah. He's got like a Philly fanatic vibe a little bit. 
with his dad bod and his big googly eyes and the uh birthday streamers that came out of his nose you know that was a weird well that yeah that you know like godzilla does um i would also by the way watch a shot for shot remake of this movie where philly fanatic played godzilla and gritty played manila i think gritty should play kumonga the evil spider yeah and then just have the philly fanatic fight gritty (laughs) that'd be good yeah and just have a smaller philly fanatic play or have just have the baby from dinosaurs play there you go we yeah we cast this for you Uh, yeah we did we did we don't normally do dream casting on the show or fan casting (laughs) but uh maybe it's a new segment that we have to do remakes of some of these terrible movies man i will say too like having just watched this like and i i it's funny i think the more recent Godzilla did a little bit better with like making Godzilla, you know, like kind of fight, you know, have more of a like fists and like pounding its chest and stuff. But they really did. And the the broader one's the worst of this of like I miss like watching this movie is fun to watch Godzilla literally body slam an enemy. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it totally takes one of the Kamakuras and, and body slams it. Yeah, like just the the fact that old school Godzilla used to do some like classic wrestling moves is really, you know, like that that's something that got lost as we got more serious. And I would say to the detriment of the series. Yeah, yeah, I, I would be inclined to agree. Um, so much so that even in the movie, they at one point some of the human characters say. Hey, we shouldn't be sitting or watching this. It's not a wrestling match. No, they but literally it's clearly a wrestling match. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, God, like, so okay. I mean, we're being obviously, I think, very favorable. This is the you, normally the part of the show where we malign the movie a bit ourselves before pivoting. So I, I will say, for me, that I felt like maybe the biggest knock for me on it was that. I don't know how much of a Godzilla movie it actually felt like in terms of just screen time for Godzilla, you know? Yeah, I think there's that. And I think the fact that, like, at one point Godzilla steps on one of the, like, research bases buildings, but there isn't that, like... They spend basically the whole movie on this monster island, essentially. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to... One of the my favorite parts of the movie, I'm going to save it when we talk about the silver lining, is probably the closest it felt to an authentic Godzilla movie. But yeah, um, but, but yeah, so I think what you're, yeah, before we get, but just like, yeah, it didn't, Godzilla one screen time overall is limited and two, it lacks that sort of what you would imagine. Like there, yeah, there's no city to be demolished. Like there's just kind of the, I mean, it, it really is, Godzilla's pretty nerfed in this movie. Like, you know, fatherhood has changed him and he seems a lot calmer. In he's this. matured. He's settled down. Yeah, and I mean, he can still body slam you if he needs to, but in general, he wants to teach his kid how to blow smoke rings. And really, maybe he's just on vacation. He's in vacation mode, you know? Yeah, you know, he happens to show up just in time to see his son being accosted by giant praying mantises and mm-hmm. saves the day a little bit. It as is kind Godzilla of. Godzilla sometimes does. It's kind of funny that basically the. The thing is that, like, Manila gets into trouble and then calls out to Godzilla and it interferes with their equipment. <laughs> so, like, it, it interferes with all the research they're doing. But that kind of plays it almost like it's just this baby monitor 
that Godzilla has where it's like, oh, okay, I got to go check on the kid. Like, oh, yeah. he's being killed by giant praying mantises again. All right. Classic Manila. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, I mean, he's, you know, he's a single father. Again, we don't know where the mom is, but she, she's not in the picture in this movie. And so someone laid that egg. Yeah. And, and so there he is to really, you know, pick up the pieces and, and he probably wants to be out smashing cities, but he can't, you know, he's got responsibilities. He's a dad now. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say, um, one big surprise for me in the movie that, uh, Manila wasn't a tiny velociraptor like that was mm-hmm. confusing to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't think the Broderick people even saw this movie to really understand yeah, what a baby really Godzilla looks like. It looks like the baby from dinosaurs, the show, not right. Not an actual baby Godzilla, you know, although I mean, baby Godzilla also doesn't look like Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> Other than they're, you know, green. Mm hmm. Well, again, we don't um, we don't know the mother. Like, I don't. That's true. You know, the mother could be any number of the other kaiju, mm-hmm. or a, another of the species of Godzilla. So, but yeah, I, I mean, all right. So, what what else we got? We obviously, uh, I in addition to the dinosaurs, people. I hope that Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse cut them a check because, come on, like mysterious research island full of monsters. I'm on to you. I'm on to where you got, yeah, which honestly, I mean, I think a lot of people might have felt like if the end of Lost turned out that like what was really going on is Godzilla was, you know, taking care of his child in the, those mysterious whisper woods and had to fight a giant smoke monster. I think people would have been, I mean, Godzilla did fight a smog monster in one of the movies. So there you go. So there's still time, you know, I mean. Sure, like they're they've all moved on, and you know Watchmen is winning all this acclaim and sh- stuff. But you know, if you ever want to go back and fix Lost, like maybe you throw in some, <laughs> throw in a kaiju fight. Yeah, you know why not? I feel like there's a lot of pop culture ephemera out there that could be improved by throwing in a kaiju battle. It's never. I mean, I'm never going to complain. If you're no, definitely not. Also, um, if that's not where look, the Fast and the Furious franchise has two options: you either get to a kaiju battle or you go to space. There really isn't another option. No, that they're, they're they're painting themselves into the, into those corners for sure. That why not a giant Vin Diesel fighting Godzilla or yeah. something? Why not at this point? Yeah, you could go like the Muppet movie. You just like they did with Animal. You find a way for Vin Diesel to like drink a potion or something, and he just becomes giant. Yeah, why not? Um, and well, then he pours to... it into the gasoline of his car, so that he also has a giant car. Obviously, well, clearly he's gonna have to if he's gonna be, if there's gonna be a giant Vin Diesel. There's gonna be a giant Dom Toretto. There's gonna be a giant car for mm-hmm. Dom Toretto to drive. Yeah, like that just goes without saying. Uh, but getting back to sort of maligning this movie, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's unfair to uh, malign the special effects because, I mean, I think that for the time, they were fun and fine. Yeah. Um, I, I will say I think it's a, a big negative for this movie is that I just did not care about any of the people in the movie at I- all. I liked the reporter guy enough. I don't think I cared about him. I d- 
I thought he was he played his part well. Like he, yeah. I mean, he, I thought, he ejected I the he most did a good enough job. Because I, I the, the, my knock would be that like of the, all the uh, sort of researcher characters, all kind of felt like they were the same thing. <laughs> like they didn't really. You know, I mean, there's the one kind of leader guy, but then everybody else was sort of interchangeable. Yeah, they were all just these like peas in a pod that were pretty interchangeable personality wise. They, you know, but so I liked that, that he he contrasted them, you know, like he and he he brought this different energy uh, to it. And the I don't know, the you know, the island girl, <laughs> whatever, like they were fine together. They I they seemed nice together on screen you know i, I storyline wise i didn't like again I, I don't even think the story makes a lot of sense if you really try to think about any of it no it certainly doesn't um including their logic of how this is going to help feed everyone it's going to help feed everyone if you can freeze an island well i think the idea was that if you control the weather you can like bring rain to the Sahara desert to make it farmable land or you can. Oh, that's definitely what they were saying, but that's not what the research, like the research involved. <laughs> uh, just freezing everything or like, like it all seemed to revolve around making everything either really hot or really cold. Like they, they never actually tried to make it rain. I don't think. No, they just, they went straight to snow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I think uh I think you could take shots at the score at some points. Well, it's but not at others. It's definitely wacky. Like that you it's, know. Yeah. It's it's playful, you know. I I well I would say this, maybe I I don't know if it's a knock on the score, but I would say that maybe what I was trying to touch on with the idea of you have like sort of softened Godzilla so much in this movie that Godzilla doesn't feel like a threat. And I think the score plays into that. Like, I don't think they're, and maybe that's not what they wanted, but I think people who watch these movies, what they would have wanted is the monsters should feel like a threat and they don't in this movie at all. And I think the score plays into that. Obviously Manila plays into that. Cause who's that guy going to hurt? Like, come yeah. on. With his little, although a couple times when he has the actual atomic breath. Yeah. But like, like you, know. you know, the, the, the mantises, they, they're a threat. They're probably the biggest threat to the, the researchers in terms of like day to day. They're, they're the ones they encounter the most, but even they don't really seem that interested in them. Like, I think that's the thing is it's just, no, they never really feel in peril, even when they're in peril. Yeah. And I think that's a that's a big flaw is the fact that like it's more that like this kaiju stuff is happening and at the same time this researcher stuff is happening and they don't like intersect enough to really like have stakes. Yeah, because there, there doesn't seem like there's there's no rush to finish the research. They really have to strain to explain. Like, I think they say that one of the guys damaged their radio equipment to explain why they can't just call for a boat and leave at any time. And even then the end revolves around them going like, Oh, well they were concerned cause they couldn't hear from us. So they sent a submarine. Like there's never, it's never an American submarine. Yeah. <laughs> but it's never that hard for them to leave if they want to like, also the Island doesn't seem hard to find because the reporter found them. Which is weird too, because then it yeah, has it was these, on a map. 
It was on a map. Like, so there's they have all these monsters, and yet you can just be airlifted there as a, a roving reporter looking for a story. Yeah. Um, so I think that narratively, I think this movie is not strong. Um, the Godzilla movies aren't always known for having the strongest narratives necessarily. A lot of times it's let's have a couple of kaiju and have them fight. But no, I, I think again, it, it really felt like the the biggest thing was just, there's no stakes. Like the, the best stakes that the movie establishes is that Godzilla needs to protect his child, mm. which is what we're probably most invested in at the end. But even that didn't, it didn't feel like enough jeopardy for Manila. Like maybe if you crank it up and like, maybe the researchers are trying to, kill manila or something or like there's some larger threat but or you have this multifaceted conflict where you know the the insectoid monsters the praying mantis and kumonga the giant spider are just because they're predatory want to kill manila and then maybe the scientists also want to kill manila for research purposes yeah or they want to let it happen you know they maybe they have an invested reason to think maybe they don't want Godzilla there. So they figure if Manila dies, Godzilla will leave or something. Right. And then, so then you could have the, the human conflict of the reporter and the Island girl are trying to save Manila while every, like, I think that was the thing. Everyone was just on board with the same plan. Yeah. And so that might've helped if there was a little bit more conflict within the humans, but everybody was just pretty much on board. No one was really fit. Like they kind of half-heartedly are mad. The reporters there at first, except then he just starts being their cook and then they don't care anymore. And then they kind of react to her being there, but pretty quickly are on board with her being there as well. Yeah. Nothing really causes much stress or grief or anything. Yeah, I mean it's it's I mean that's the thing I think that where the music hits at it every it's it's maybe much too breezy of a Godzilla movie. Like it's shockingly lighthearted and upbeat for a, a film about a giant monster, you know, threatening humanity. <laughs> right. Like the opening um sort of once they get to the island and they just start doing the establishing shots of everything. Uh, and then have the score playing and it it sounds not unlike any tv sitcom from the era oh yeah the music they're playing it's like solar sort of bouncy and there's a lot of xylophone and it also you know, with the way everything it would have not felt weird to have like you know donnie and marie or somebody like on a like just start dancing on the beach yeah. like that wouldn't have felt out of place with the music and overall vibe um so yeah, so but I think this is more so than I think even most of the movies that we've talked about already for this podcast. Uh, you kind of have to know what you're getting yourself into to start watching this. Well, yeah, and I, I do think it's a matter of expectations of you're not going to like this movie if you're like, I want to see a classic Godzilla smashes Tokyo movie. Like, like if you're expecting anything along the lines of like the original 54 Godzilla, which is yeah. a great movie, like a great movie. Yeah. Um, and not even like great the way this one is great and terrible. Yeah. But like a legitimately really good, like hits really well. Like all the emotional beats are all there and everything. Like it's um, there's a reason that this Godzilla character has been able to endure for 60 years almost 
because of the strength of that first movie, this is not that movie. No, no, for sure. <laughs> um, not, not by any stretch of the imagination. So, um, it's, you kind of have to go in knowing what you're getting, um, in order to, I think, and then if you do that, I think there's a lot of enjoyment that you can get from watching this. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which I think is as good a pivot as any to our, our silver linings. So I guess since we didn't enjoy this movie, I think it'd be more, make more sense to talk about what brought us the most joy watching this. Yeah. I, well, and I mean, Manila for me, for sure. I mean, I just look like it's, I understand it's divisive. I understand your mileage may vary, but every second Manila was on screen, I enjoyed a lot. Like I liked how, uh, you know, like the, you know, and, and I, unfortunately I don't have the name of the actor in front of me who, who it's played Marshawn the dwarf. Yes. Thank you. Marshawn the dwarf of, you know, like is doing a great silent vaudevillian performance of just tumbling and somersaults and acting very childlike, you know, and, and really selling this very silly concept of being the uncoordinated, naive child of Godzilla. Uh, but mission accomplished. Like you, you did exactly what the film asked you to do to perfection. And again, like when he started like, jumping rope with Godzilla's tail or like trying to blow his his smoke rings just just great even when the spider like really <laughs> just started hitting him with the web and he just <laughs> fell over oh man just a plus for me <laughs> um I can't disagree with any of that because it's it's so just delightful and silly and um you're even more dead inside than I am. If you can't <laughs> find a, find a little bit of joy in that. Um, I will say one of the things, I don't know, like it's not necessarily good, but man, did it bring me some happiness is the opening sequence of the movie. Oh, when, where they're in the plane, <laughs> when they're in the plane and just Godzilla pops up and they react to it. Like a moose just walked out into the road. Oh yeah. <laughs> No, for sure. <laughs> like, and it's like, oh no, we have to do something about this because there's this giant thing in the way. <laughs> but then, like, oh, good thing we dodged that bullet. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and it's just, uh, I don't know, that just made me smile a lot, and I really enjoyed that. Um, I loved that when uh, Godzilla and Manila team up to defeat Kumonga. Uh, that they literally just like the special effects people literally just lit the Kumonga puppet on fire. Oh no, that was great. Yeah. Like that was awesome. Yeah. Um, actually like, I mean, it, it is cheesy of course, but I thought the puppetry was solid. Like the, I thought the praying mantises, like I thought they moved reasonably believably when considering they're a puppet compared to, um, the people in the suits for the other kaiju. Yeah. Um, and, and the same thing for uh, Kumonga. Like, I thought the puppetry was really, really good. It was. And I think they did a good job. You know, we've talked about that. It's funny because this is obviously puppets versus uh, CGI. But I know it's come up on previous shows when you talk about. Uh, and that was a problem with, I think, the the Matthew Broderick one of they felt like they had weight. They felt like the scale made sense with the humans versus them. You know, they they felt like they took up space on the island and like interacted with the environment really well, I thought. Like it, yeah, they they felt like a part of the world, like integrated 
really well with with the human and with the island and everything. Yeah, I mean they're clearly puppets. Like no one's ever oh, going to mistake yeah. them. Like mediocre CGI nowadays is probably superior to that puppetry. And again, um, and even when you're talking about like Godzilla and Manila too, like they they have big googly eyes that don't blink. So that's also like <laughs> right. Um, and you know it's. But that, I mean, that is also part of the charm of these movies, I too, I think, is the sort of... No, you want a, a, a guy in a big rubber lizard suit to body slam his enemies, you know? Like, that that's what that. I signed up for, for sure. Like, yeah, no, I, I thought... And I would say that, too, yeah, just the, the fight scenes in general, I thought, were well executed. Again, like, I think putting it on an island instead of in a city is always going to... It limits, especially, like, you know secondary carnage for sure there's not there's not things to knock into you can't like you know fall into a building or like step on a car or anything it's just it's all either the 10 people that live on the island or it's a tree you know right or a hill or whatever (laughs) yeah so so i think you limited it there but i think that the the battles worked and the the spider even being a puppet i thought was kind of creepy like it it did yeah, look, yeah it was unsettling for sure yeah when they would do the close-ups like it still was kind of creepy looking yeah so yeah i mean so i i think um there are clearly better more even those they're even better campier godzilla movies i think um that like if if what you want is like good kaiju fights and all the things that make Godzilla great, like this would not be my first recommendation by any stretch of the imagination. No, um, I would even say too that I almost wish someone more formidable was trying to to take out you know uh, Manila, mm-hmm. like that it was you know uh, if we're just gonna go wrestling, I wanted a bigger heel, you know, I wanted. I wanted the WrestleMania opponent, not the the Monday Night Raw like tune up. You know, it, it kind of felt right. like, you know, the the Spider and the Prey Mantis has sort of felt like a Brooklyn Brawler Hogan fight. You know, it didn't. Yeah, it wasn't. You wanted something more along the lines of Andre the Giant or yeah King Kong Bundy rather than you know any of the other outlaw Ron Bass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kumonga is the outlaw Ron Bass of the of the kaiju world. I think, you know, if if you looked at the writing at the time, I think they would have agreed. I'm pretty sure that was the consensus, you know, by critics. <laughs> <laughs> um, even though that's this movie came out 20 years before either of them were really things, but but they predicted it. They they knew. They yeah. they had it. Um Yeah, no, I think I think a bigger threat to to Manila, I think, would have been better. Like, the praying mantises, the Kamakuras, were, like, they were creepy and Kumanga. A giant spider isn't a bad, you know, main villain. But when you compare it to, like, you know, maybe they didn't need to go as big as, like, King Ghidorah, but there's any number of other ones that they could have probably used. Yeah. I think the problem with the spider is that it didn't have a lot of personality. So it didn't, it, it felt formidable cause it's a giant spider and ew, like that. Right. <laughs> but just like it didn't, yeah, it lacked, you know, sort of the, uh, the je ne sais quoi, like the, the sort of fun on screen personality of a bigger villain. Yeah, I think that maybe since they were doing the puppetry with the praying mantises, maybe another, suited character would have been 
I think so. Even, yeah. Somewhere- even if it wasn't like a, like an A-list Godzilla nemesis, but maybe that having that other suited character might have been instead of like having them fight two puppet characters. Yeah, well, I mean, if Godzilla's going to do body slams, you know, someone who can do like a running clothesline and like a, you know, some some leg drops or something, you know. Yeah. You know, someone that can hit a an axe handle or a you, you just know, a suplex. You, someone who could run the ropes. I think that's what we're saying right. is you really and That's what we need. Someone you want someone who can run the ropes. Yeah. Um <clears throat> especially cuz they essentially toppled Kumonga by both using their atomic breath and, and they just lit the puppet on fire, which again, great. That, yeah. I loved, I loved that. If every Godzilla movie ended with the, the loser puppet being lit on fire, I, <laughs> I'd be, I'd sign up for that. Yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think anyone would argue too much. I would have added another star to the Broderick movie. If like <laughs> someone had caught on fire by the end of that movie, if they just lit the guy playing mayor Ebert on fire or something like that, that would have been good. Or Harry Shearer, perhaps. Even, you know, Hank Azaria's camera or something. Just. Something. Just, yeah, something. <laughs> something being just clicked on fire would have been. <laughs> would have been enjoyable. Would have been fine. Um, but, so yeah, so I think um, there are plenty of other Godzilla movies to see over this one. But definitely watch this one over the Matthew Broderick 98 Godzilla Look, movie? it's you know it's a cheap silver lining, but it is the best Godzilla movie that we have watched for this show. So, oh th- yeah, I say no, that definitively. No debate yeah. there whatsoever. <laughs> it's not even close. Yeah, no, that's and this one didn't even have Jean Reno to bring it up. Oh man, think about how good this movie would have been with Jean Reno. Like, oh, I think but if he played that reporter, John. Actually, he could have played. He could have taken his pick if he wanted to play the reporter. He wants to play the the old guy that's like in charge of the researchers. Like he wants to play the, the guy, island girl. The island girl. He could have nailed it. Those guys at the beginning shocked to see Godzilla and they're playing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we did it. I think. I mean, this was an easier one, but I think we did it. Yeah. Uh, remember that uh, not the mama. Justice for Maria Pratillo. <laughs> Silver Linings Playback is a production of HoboTrashCan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. How many times has this happened to you? I just want to listen to a podcast. I can't choose from all these complicated structures and setups. You want to listen, not think. That's why there's Hobo Radio. You'll feel like the smartest guy in the room in a room by yourself. This doesn't take any intellectual thinking at all. Thanks, Hobo Radio. Hobo Radio, a weekly podcast on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network.